Under the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act, pharmaceutical companies can't promote intended uses for a product that have not been approved by the Food and Drug Administration. But in 2012, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit ruled in United States v. Coronia that truthful sales pitches about off-label uses are protected under the First Amendment. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Christopher Robertson, a professor and associate dean at the University of Arizona College of Law and a visiting professor at the New York University School of Law. Professor Robertson has co-authored a perspective article about the Coronia case and the argument for regulating off-label promotion. Professor Robertson, you write in your article that because prosecutors in this case relied on Coronia's words to show that he intended Zyrem to be used for non-approved purposes, the court ruled that his sales pitches were protected commercial speech. So what was the response from the regulatory community and from the pharmaceutical industry to this result? Well, it was, frankly, shocking. Although direct prosecution of individuals under the misbranding statute is quite rare, the larger sort of regime of prohibiting off-label promotion has been a very important part of really the economics of promotion and development of drugs. So it really turned on its head what had been a decade or more of practice whereby pharmaceutical companies had, in fact, been caught promoting off-label and settled large cases very favorably to the Food and Drug Administration with a billion-dollar settlement. But when this case came down, everyone thought, wow, perhaps there's a sea change in how this will work, a sea change in the law, and we'll see a large substitution of promotional efforts for scientific efforts, which had otherwise been required promoting new uses of drugs. So was this the first time that a pharmaceutical company used the First Amendment as a a defense? It had been used in a range of sort of cases nibbling around the edges. There was a prior case concerning the compounding of medicines and prior cases around nutritional supplements. But this is the first case that really hit head on the question of whether a drug approved as such could be promoted for a wide range of other uses that had not been FDA approved. The decision by the Second Circuit concerns truthful off-label promotional speech. So who decides if a sales pitch is truthful and on what basis? Actually, I'd quibble with the way you framed the question because it's very important that the court said that there's only a right to make truthful promotions. But in fact, the court didn't inquire into the factual question of whether their promotions were really truthful. So there was a wide range of assertions made by Mr. Cronia about the value of this drug, which has a black box warning. And so experts in the field probably would not agree offhand that all these promotional claims were in fact true until they're investigated systematically. So really what the court's done there is simply assumed it's true. And that answers your question then as to who decides. There the court is simply presuming truth itself rather than going through the traditional FDA approval process for new uses, which requires substantial evidence and typically two well-controlled trials, etc. So what we're seeing in this sort of decision is a substitution for the expert regulatory agency actually investigating on the merits versus judicial systems, which may or may not actually require proof as a matter of fact. So a fear, as you discuss in your article, is that after this decision, manufacturers could look for FDA approval of a very narrow range of indications and then promote the approved drug using much poorer quality evidence to support additional uses. Do you expect companies to move in that direction? What's the legal status at the moment? Currently, the FDA approves 
in its approval decisions, about half the time new uses for already approved drugs. And so we would expect that if companies can promote even without that approval, we will see the FDA being asked to review evidence much less often. There's sort of no reason to do so if the company can promote the drug even without the FDA's approval. So the effect is still a little bit up in the air as we wait and see if other federal circuits follow the same reasoning of Coronia. So far, it really is only one of the dozen or so federal circuits that have really addressed this question squarely. And there's another pending case in the First Circuit, which covers Massachusetts and other New England states, that we're right now waiting to see how they decide on the same question. So I think that subsequent judicial development will affect the landscape. And so, too, the FDA is also reconsidering its own rules in the light of Coronia and hosted a public forum to inform the question of how they should regulate in this area going forward. So it's sort of all up in the air at the moment. So finally, and following on from that, you say in your article that the drug and biologics industry has released new proposed guidelines about off-label promotion, and the FDA, as you say, is looking at its role in the practice. So can you predict, what do you think the situation is going to look like in a year or so? What direction are we moving in? It's possible, especially with the larger political changes in Congress and the presidency and these judicial decisions, we definitely see a larger sort of systematic trend towards uh, greater promotion and thereby less scientific basis required for promotion. I think big questions will stand on really how the FDA responds. One possibility would be to try to focus more on defining what constitutes falsehood and how it should be proven so that to put really more of a burden on the speakers, the companies, to demonstrate truth in order to take advantage of this doctrine that the court has now put forward. So that's one angle for the FDA is to try to work around the doctrine that's now there, try to exploit the doctrine's emphasis on applying only to truthful speech to then target its regulation on promotions that are the least well-supported, that are the least likely to be true. But the industry would instead prefer a rule that just says they can promote anything that has virtually any scientific basis. And the problem with that is we know that there's a lot of industry-funded research that is of relatively poor quality. There's a problem of false positives in that research. It lacks pre-specified endpoints. It's not using blinded and large, well-controlled studies and, and things like that. So that's really the tension, really, is how much quality of evidence will be required to support promotions. Thank you, Professor Robertson.